Welcome along to the Make It Count podcast. My name is David and uh, that's Matt over there. Hello, I'm Matt. We uh, recently realised that we've had over 2,000 downloads of this podcast. So oh, really? quite exciting. Oh, you yep. didn't tell me that. I did. I sent it to you on a WhatsApp. You just didn't look at it. When? Today? Today. Yeah. Oh, woohoo! So, yeah, that's great. It doesn't affect what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that today anyway. But today we're talking about interviewing another book. And this book is... Or a book is, review, as normal people would, uh, would hear it. But yes, yeah. yeah. We're doing a book review, interviewing a book sort of thing. And the book is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I think Matthew has more recently read this book. So... What he's saying is he doesn't think he's read the book, but he doesn't want to admit that. I may not have read it. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have or not, but I've come across it a lot. I've listened to a lot of interviews by him. Yes. And have the concepts in my head, sort of, and maybe. It's, it's a book that's been in vogue since it's uh, it was published. Yeah, I mean, it shot to the top of bestseller charts, didn't it? It did. Although, it did. I think I recently looked up, what does a bestseller mean? <laughs> it's not as straightforwardly defined as you think. It's about... Something about whether it sells this much in this amount of time and people game the system a little bit. Mm. Great. Well, I mean, I like this. It's based just inside the cover of um, the book and after you've got all of the, the legalese, it just has on one page two words, atomic and habit, and a couple of definitions almost like a dictionary. So here's for atomic. An extremely small amount of a thing the single irreducible unit of a larger system, and two, the source of immense energy or power. An inhabit, a routine or practice performed regularly, an automatic response to a specific situation. Mm. And of course, that kind of is, ultimately, those ideas are what goes into the whole book. On, on the front cover, his subtitle is Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the whole thing. We've spoken about habits before and you've read um, Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit mm-hmm. and he's James Clear has obviously gone away and read that and other things like it and has done some some thinking, some collecting, some synthesising of his own. Synthesising of his own. And, um, and he takes some of the things a little bit further but it makes it really practical as well. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, I enjoyed this book. It's definitely one that I'll be coming back to I think it's eminently practical um, and he, he communicates quite well. But aren't habits just boring, Matt? Like doing the same thing every day, all the time. That's just boring, isn't it? Well, I mean, he, he mentions this in a book and he many people that do anything about habits would say, most of our lives are habitual. Mm. We just are on default most of the time. Mm-hmm. So the trick isn't, oh, I don't want to do a habit. It's what habits am I, am I already doing and evaluating those? Yeah, which is quite interesting to bring in something else. I was listening to something a little while ago and they were talking about if you are a speaker, you should use much more range, go higher, go deeper, those sorts of things. And he said people always push back on him and say, well, that's not my natural voice. He said, you lost your natural voice when you were two years old. This is your habitual voice. Wow. And and so it's like, well, if you can make that noise, 
you can make those ra- you can hit those range yes so why don't you use it and I, I think that's quite interesting like you said we maybe some of our pushback on habits is like well i don't want my life to be boring it's just like well the slight pushback is that probably 80 or 90 percent of your life already is habits yep but you didn't choose them and this is an opportunity to instigate those habits absolutely absolutely one of the things um that he adds to Charles Duhigg's uh, sort of schema mm-hmm. of cue, habit, reward. Mm-hmm. He adds one step between the habit and the cue. He says it, it actually is cue, then craving, mm. then habit or response, and then reward. Um, so the, that, that craving is the desire, is the want, is It's it? the desire. And he said that's the thing that drives you. And then he has a whole chapter where he talks about dopamine and everything. And, pe- you know, lots of people talking about dopamine. Uh, and people talk about dopamine as it's as if it's the reward chemical in the brain. But mm. what um, what James Clear says is actually that's not true. Dopamine spikes before the activity has happened. Hmm. It's actually the anticipation chemical mm. in the brain. The, it is the motivator. It's the dopamine spikes in anticipation of the reward to come. And by the time you're doing the activity, the dopamine's already dropping, hmm. which is really interesting. Mm. So, so what does he say that, I mean, does he talk about how you build that want or that desire? Like, we're talking about <laughs> habits, but yep. is it just the standard habits that everyone does? Or where does that start? Do you start by going, hey, I really want to achieve this, or I, I want to avoid that? What does that look like? Absolutely. So I, I suppose let's, let's zoom back out again um, and he breaks the book into kind of four major sections. So a little bit of an introductory section just to what is what are habits and the power of them. But then there's four key sections and they're all aimed at if you want to start a habit, which probably is what most people think of when they're thinking about habits. Like, oh, I want to start something. So, there's, so he's, he's done four laws, a bit sort of 90s with that sort of stuff. But law number and they're all around that schema of cue, craving, response and reward. So one law for each. Law number one is make it obvious. So if you want to do something, you make the cue really obvious to yourself. Um, That would be an example of if I want to start running more, the night before I get up, I'm going to lay out my running clothes and my running trainers on the floor right next to my bed. So I see them, I literally have to stumble over them. It's there. That's the cue. Um, so is that about like the physical environment stuff? A lot of stuff on the environment. Because there. Yeah. I think I, I watched a video recently in preparation <laughs> for this and he talked about how you can motivate yourself despite your environment a few times, but ultimately your environment will win. And so direct, creating the environment in which that habit can flourish is much more powerful than any other thing. Absolutely. And so I suppose it's that idea of if you walk into somebody's kitchen, what are the snacks or the food out on the counter? Is it fruit? Is it biscuits? Is it crisps? Those are the things that are cueing you to eat in those moments. Is it nothing? You know, and, and so I suppose that was quite interesting to think about the environments we live in. How do we shape them? So for me, you go into the, the house I'm renting at the moment, pretty much every open bit of table or shelf has a book on it what do you think that's cueing me to do read yeah and actually we don't even have a tv in our house so i can't even get distracted by that but again 
that's a controlling of my physical environment. So yep. I've seen people that have put their TVs in a cupboard behind, you know, drawers or whatever, or cupboard shelves or what are they called? Cupboard doors? Cupboard doors, cupboard yeah. shelves. Which again, it's just going to be that extra barrier to watching the TV and maybe doing something else instead. Yeah, and that, absolutely. that physical environment actually can aid you or hinder you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he talks about it when it comes to, for example, dis- we often think of certain people as being very disciplined and mm. they, you know, they may be disciplined in what they do and they don't do. But he said in interviewing lots of people, he found the people that are most disciplined have actually arranged their life such that they have to use their discipline least. Yeah. Um, and he said, in a pithy way, it's actually far easier to avoid temptation than it is to overcome it. Hmm. So if you, as you said, the, the cookies example, always a, a wonderful example. If the cookies are not visible or they're not even in the house, it's so much easier to not eat a cookie than it is. It's right there staring you. It's on the plate or it's on the counter. I have to choose again and again, every time I see it, not to eat that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so I think probably in this book, it's interesting because we talk about it quite a bit about exercise, being fit, being yeah. healthy. And probably a lot of the examples he uses are those things. And I think there's a reason for that. Well, we know why it is. Every New Year's, the majority thing is I want to eat healthier and I want to move more. I want to lose weight. I want, yep. to, you know, those are the same things that come up over and over again, <laughs> which suggests that. That is a continual desire. Yeah. And so these things, this book especially helps with those things, but other habits as well. Yeah. Any any particular habit he does talk about. He has some um, additional chapters towards the end in the appendices, for example, how to apply these ideas to business, how to apply these ideas to parenting, mm. those sort of things. So it's not just about the classic things, but those are great places to start. So what's one thing that really helped shift your mindset with regards to this book? Mm. I think I, I like the schema. The schema helps. Um, we haven't talked about the other ones yet. Well, we can come on to that. Let's go into bit. that then. Yeah. Let's go into that. Okay. Now. So the overall schema. So you've got the cue, craving, response, and reward. I'll just quickly r- rattle through the other laws. So law one was make it obvious. So you see it. Number two is make it attractive. So there's something about it that makes you want that craving. I want to do it. Um, Number three, make it easy. And number four, make it satisfying. I'll make it easy one um, with the atomic side of it. We've spoken about this before. It's like making it really small. So he'd talked about the two minute rule. And when I first read that, I was like, oh, the two minute rule. So that must be like, you know, you can, you know, you can do it in two minutes. He said, no, it's actually, you're only allowed to do it for two minutes. And as soon as the two minute mark comes, you have to stop. Mm. And that's to initiate it. And that's the thin end of the wedge and the whole, you have to, um, what is it? Before you can optimize. Oh, you have to establish before you optimize. Exactly. Establish before you optimize. And so that was an uh, and intuitive. I think, I think that's, that's really good as well. I think I like that establish before you optimize thing so much because basically I think that's where most people stumble up is they go in and they want the perfect workout routine or yep. they want to copy their favorite writer's routine or they want to do all of these things and it has to be perfect and optimized and you, you see people like oh, I want the ideal workout plan or I want the ideal meal plan or I want the ideal you know writing schedule I want the ideal I want the perfect it's like you don't need the perfect you need something yes. after you have yeah, something yeah, you can start optimizing and making it better but at the moment 
you, you know, the perfect is too difficult for you. Yeah. You, you're not, you, and, and I think he talks a bit about that is, is the amount of effort required. If the effort is high and difficult, you're more likely to quit. Yes. Whereas if it is the effort is much lower and easier, if you're much less likely to quit, hence yep. the two minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, that, that third law just makes a lot of sense to me and is intuitive and I kind of fully agree with it. Um, law two and four, so make it attractive and make it satisfying, both are good, but those were def- they haven't necessarily stuck as it. So off the top of my head, I'm thinking, I can't remember exactly like what the what a go-to way of like making something attractive would be or making something satisfying would be, mm. other than like, for example, if you want to be a writer and you could set out a little reward. So if I do my writing goal for the day, I will give myself a piece of chocolate. Mm. He did say... If your goal is to lose weight, don't do a reward that counteracts that. So, you know, <laughs> do do a walk and have a piece of chocolate. That's counterintuitive and that counteracts. Can, so I I uh, listened to uh, another podcast and it was a fitness trainer. And he taught, he's been a fitness trainer for 30 years, he said, but it took him 10 years to learn this lesson. So initially when he did training, one of his clients would come to him and he'd be like, oh, that was a good session. I feel really achy. He'd be like, yeah, I've done a good session. I've helped them train. But then he'd get phone calls from them and say, hey, look, you know, I'm not feeling great today. I can't come in or I'm busy. I'm overworked. I'm stressed. You know, I, I can't come in to work out today with you. And he realized that he was doing it wrong. If people are achy and hurting, that's not actually the best motivation. And so he designed his training sessions with clients so that they felt better having done it like wow. immediately afterwards yeah, yeah, yeah. so that they felt this high which is what exercise should do not that they're killing themselves but actually they feel good and he started getting people phoning him up instead and going oh i've not had a great day you know can i do a session today wow. you know i'm not feeling great and i think that's the thing about making it rewarding yes whether it's exercise or otherwise it's like well do you make it such that at the end you feel better than at the beginning yeah and i think another way i've heard someone say they made it rewarding it was they basically only let them watch their favorite TV show when they were working out. Yes, yeah, yeah, that, that was it. Sort of idea. I think what he did is he hooked up his his TV and stuff to the exercise bike, ah. so he had to be cycling at a certain rate in order to be able to power the thing to. And watch if it, it wasn't fast enough, it paused it. Something like that. It was <laughs> uh, that was an extreme version, but it could be exactly the same. You know, if you've got a home gym set up, you do that. Yeah, I'm only allowed to watch it whilst I'm exercising. Mm. I've heard people say, you know, I listen to these audio books that I really enjoy, but mm. only when I'm exercising. Yeah. So you sort of, you create that positive association, that exactly. rewarding experience. Absolutely. And there's loads of ways to do it. We're not going to be able to talk about all of them. Um, read the book. Uh, <laughs> once again, we're not sponsored by this and we're not doing it, but we, we just, it's a valuable book that we've found mm. um, value in it. I think the, the question you asked, though, what was sort of, something that was changed for me in reading this book it was it was a, almost a, a subtle idea that doesn't doesn't necessarily or oh, what chapter does it fit under um it's it's identity formation basically mm. and it's a whole thing of so often we set these goals mm-hmm. whether it's new year's resolution or otherwise that basically is a i want to have achieved this i want mm-hmm. to be this weight i want to have run a marathon yada 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 achieve this fill in the blank and that is a state a stationary goal or it's a static goal or it's a 
um, a, a finish line goal. Mm-hmm. But what he talks about here is actually every time you do something, it has a small impact on the kind of person you are. You're nudged mm. in that direction. And so your habits are basically the greatest um, identity forming thing mm-hmm. in your life. Uh, so I saw a quote exactly along this. And he said, I think it was him. It said, the actions you take provide evidence for who you are. Absolutely. The actions you take provide evidence for who you are. And he said, every action you take, every moment is evidence. Yes. But the habitual actions you take, that evidence mounts yes. over time. Precisely. And that's why it's so important. Are you providing yourself evidence for who you are? So can you give an example, Matt, of where you've seen that in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it just goes to... Well, you guys are the same ones all the time, but journaling. I'm someone who journals. Uh, and it, it's come to the point where there'll, there'll be sometimes in the evening when I have sort of had a long day or maybe I've got to bed a little bit later and I'm like, oh, I'm a bit tired. I don't necessarily... Oh, I, I don't really feel like it. But then I kind of... And every now and again, I actually don't. But I always jump straight back into it the next day. But often now I'm finding myself going, well, I don't know, you know. I, I journal that's who I want to be and that recognition of um, I used to be you know when I was younger I would often be like oh you know I'll I'll start that tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow but now I've realized that isn't going to work because if I don't do it today it's just another piece of evidence that I'm not likely to do it tomorrow and so if I want to be something I have to just do that today mm. um, yeah so the idea is it's not, I've run a marathon, it's, I'm a runner. Exactly. It's not, I've written a blog post, it's a, I'm a writer. Absolutely. And it's, it's every day you take that habit, every time you do it, you're giving evidence that you are that person so that you can more confidently step into that yeah. and that identity shift happens over time. Absolutely. And he even goes further, doesn't he? He talks about the voting thing. Yeah, I was like, so that's exactly the quote I was about to read. Um, it says, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the boat, the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. Um, and this is one of the reasons why meaningful change doesn't require radical change. Small habits can make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of a new identity. Mm. And, and, so, and then he talks later on about, if you think about a vote, a democratic vote, very rarely, if ever, does anyone literally get all the votes yeah 100% I don't know in the history of democracy and all votes whether from big to small there may want to you know but very rarely does everyone get someone get all the votes he said it's not necessary to win the election you just need the majority of votes and it's the same with this so that, that's what I like about that as well isn't it because there's a bit of a grace there it's like actually exactly. to do a habit it's not, you don't need 100% no I don't no, need no perfect record exactly I, I don't have to have journaled every day of my life for the last Mm. five years to say I'm a journaler I am someone who journals and every now and again I miss a day but Mm. that doesn't make me a not a journaler Mm. and he says here for example just four bullet points each time you write a page you are a writer each time you practice the violin you are a musician each time you start a workout you are an athlete each time you encourage your employees you are a leader and it's very much that oh yeah it's not about I need to have achieved a thing in order to call myself the thing. 
and I mean the leadership one's interesting because so many people still operate on the paradigm of the title means I'm a leader and if I'm not a titled I'm not the leader mm. you know but yeah uh, and he says if if you don't change anything in your life then nothing's going to change but in order to change you just need a two simple s- simple step process number one decide the type of person you want to be and number two prove it to yourself with small wins and that's mm. the two minute rule that's the atomic the small many wins builds up and all of a sudden you realize oh yeah there has been effort involved but it's effort over a long time and i've slid into this new identity rather than i had this monumental one-time massive effort you know well and that's the important thing i i think when they talk about weight loss things what they see is 90 percent of people may get down to the weight they want to be but then within a year or two, sometimes three, they rebound and sometimes much higher. Wow. And I think he quotes Seth Godin. It says, the best way to change long-term behavior is short-term feedback. Yes. And that's that, that small win, that immediate feedback, that rewardingness. You know, if you do a workout that at the end you feel better than when you started, well, that's going to that's gonna accumulate. You're going to go, oh, I don't feel great. I should go do a workout. That's going to help me feel better then you become and then that's the long-term behavior starts being established and that goes from not exerciser to exerciser yes. i've become an exerciser yeah. you know have you done the thing that brings you reward have you designed it in a way that's helpful so it's definitely absolutely. a good absolutely and that's what it, he he postulates and talks about well obviously the habits that we all want to lose the reason why they are so sticky to us is because they fulfill these four laws really easily you know so they're obvious to us they're quite attractive they're easy to do and they're satisfying so take the biscuit example it's on the counter it's obvious it's attractive i like the idea of eating a cookie it's easy to do it's not it physically is not hard to reach out and grab it and then satisfying yeah well the brain and the the stomach are like amen give me more (laughs) and so you know and so that's why they're because in the moment they're really satisfying and they're really rewarding but over the long term actually the build-up impact of them is not satisfying because of the kind of effects it has on your body and your your mentality and everything and and so we've talked about the positive aspect of this is what you want to do if you want to start one make it obvious attractive easy and satisfying and it just says and if you want to stop a habit you just flip those on its head make it invisible make it unattractive make it hard make it unsatisfying um, he gives loads of practical examples on a whole load of different things and there's also a website to go with it with even more worksheets <laughs> I recommend it it's it's a fun book to read it's not difficult um, lots of stories examples. lots of stories he's a good communicator um, and if you actually read it and then go okay well let's try and start implementing this in a few things I think you will start to see some some changes positive changes in your, your life and undoubtedly, change is something that most of us either don't like or find difficult. Mm. And so this being something that helps bring around the changes that you want yes, uh, and a toolbox for setting you up for that is quite a useful thing. Absolutely. And it's less scary to be able to go, okay, I'm going to change one thing a little bit and, you know, the today your life doesn't feel all that much different from yesterday so it's not that scary but when you look back in a year's time you start going hey you know what actually 
I'm in a different place than I was a year ago. Yeah, I've journaled for five years now. Or, or whatever. Because it took two minutes. Exactly. Right. That's our episode for today. Atomic Habits by James Clear. We like it. Tell us if you've read it, what you learned from reading it, what stood out to you. That would be amazing. We love hearing from you guys. But that's all for this week. So see you guys next week. Bye-bye.